And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to a very special episode. You know, it's because it's that kind of special episode, number 291 of This Old Marketing, recorded in Cleveland on Thursday, September 30th, 2021. And with me as always, and really, this is with me as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who slayed his content marketing world keynote, Mr. Joe Polizzi. Congratulations. Well, you, it was well, really you, good. you are the host with the most. First of all, you look fantastic. Uh, thank you. I know I don't usually thank tell you, you the that. Steampunk, it, the steampunk thing is is so my vibe, <laughs> right? I have to tell you because that's, I mean, I'm like, when they when I heard that that was the theme, I was like, okay, you know, game on because it's now, that's fun. Well, I have yeah, to be honest totally with you. Fun. I almost was going to tell you that we should skip this episode entirely because I just wanted to take you out for a drink. But you were the one. That said that we have an obligation. Master. No, we have an obligation right. to our 34 <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that yeah. we have to deliver. But we, we sort of, That's came, right. you know, we, we came to a compromise. Who aren't, who haven't gotten enough yes. of us this week, right? Yes. You know, those, the 34 people who were like, you know, I really need more Joe and Robert. Said no life. one, um, said no one ever. Yeah, said no one ever. Right. I know. Right. Exactly. But, uh, but no, but, the, um, but yeah, here we are. No, we don't miss an episode. We, we never we are. Do. I learned from some guy that consistency is important. But, but so we, we have a compromise we're not miss that, an and we, we're going to go a little shorter because That's right. as soon as we're done with <laughs> there's this, drinking to do. That's we're right. going there's out drinking for, to do. for drinks. Many, That's many drinks. Many. Oh, of course, soda. Many more. Soda pops. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I've got a red cream soda yes. that I've been eyeing for a while, so I'm really excited That's right. about this. That's right. This is something that I've perfected, by the way, in lockdown. Is you know, as I said in my keynote, um, you know, I have done a a world tour of the tequila region of Mexico. And if you're like, wait a minute, world tour of a region of Mexico. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't judge. Don't judge me. That That's a world tour of one region of Mexico. That's what it is. Don't, yeah, that don't mess. So which, uh, are you more of the Anejo these days? Are you in the Reposado? Like, what do you Always, doing? always, always, always Anejo. Always Anejo for me. Always Anejo for me. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I can't, I can't bring myself to love Blancos. I just, I, there are some, and Jay Bear, uh, the wonderful Jay Bear has introduced me to a couple of Blancos that I that I quite enjoy, but I, it's really rare that I that I like a Blanco. There now there are many reposados that I sort of just you know they're reposados for me are what you put in margaritas, right? That's you know you throw that into any mixed drink, right? If you're talking about a mixed drink at all that has tequila in it, reposado is the way to go. And I know there are some there are some um, Anejo mixed drinks, but for me, straight, which is how I like to have my tequila, uh, I Anejos for me are, are all the way. It's you know, it's like good bourbon, it's like good scotch, a good Anejo. Well, I, I remember well, I remember the one time when I went to see you in LA. Uh, we went I forgot what the the Mexican place we went to, but we you were giving me oh, the tour. Right. The tour of all the tequila we were doing, whatever the 
multiple we did flights multiple yeah flights. yeah we did flights and you you yeah. were multiple you flights. almost didn't want to even go with the blancos you you just you it, it almost hurt you to give me the tour of those it, it it did it did but 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 it it's important well it's important it was yeah you i that, mean uh, you were educating me on it and you you need to be able to taste the difference yeah you want to taste the like, difference and, it, and there are a lot of people tastes? who love blancos let's taste, let's, let's yeah try exactly fine and ajo <laughs> this 1800 and AO. That's right. Now, sadly, there are a few places in Cleveland where you can sort of have that kind of experience, but there, there are, are a couple. couple. There, there are a couple. There absolutely yeah. are a couple. So, so anyways, uh, we, you know, the quick overview is uh, we've had a great time seeing old friends here yeah. at, uh, at Content Marketing uh, World in Cleveland. We're glad, you know, it was a yeah. little different, but glad we could get everything together for a, a successful event. And, I think what we, you and I agreed to is is that we would sort of go through our keynote presentations and uh, and some of the highlights yeah. and have a discussion, which we, we were sort of one way as you were doing yours on stage and I was doing mine on stage. But now we're going to to come together as the Beatles would and, uh, That's right. and figure this thing out and see if we can learn from each other and our different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, you know, what we what we talked about doing, and I think it's a really fun thing, is to say, you know, what are five things that content entrepreneurs are doing right now um, to find success, which was a core piece of what you talked about mm-hmm. in your keynote, and um, a piece of mine uh, was all about what successful content marketers are doing right now, sort of in larger organizations. What are they doing right now? And a lot of this comes from our twenty twenty two research, the CMI's 2022 research, um, which is just, well, it's not quite out yet, but I've teed up some of it um, in in what we talked about at, at Content Marketing World. So um, yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to sort of trade off back and forth, content entrepreneurs, uh, I don't know what the hell I just said, um, content <laughs> it, marketers, already been tricky. just started, yeah, I can't speak, right? It's already, it's yeah, already passed two, that, two, that two, uh, yeah. two shots of tequila before this podcast made the difference. <laughs> which, which I should have done, should have done, should have well, done. We'll make up for it. Um, right. So what, do you want to, do you want to go first? All right. You go first. Yeah, you try first. Um, all right. So I'm going to go first. I, as you know, I went through 10 uh, strategies uh, that content entrepreneurs, and basically when we say content entrepreneurs, we mean uh, basically solopreneurs for the most part that are building an audience generally first. They, they don't have uh, products or services, but they're building that audience first mentality, and then they're monetizing that in multiple ways. And content entrepreneurs are generally those individuals that have been doing this for three, four, five years. They're successful, that they've already been generating uh, some in some cases significant revenue, and they generally also support multiple one or multiple people. So these are not hobbyists. These are people that are doing this full time for a living. They're not doing it as a side hustle, as uh, Gary Vaynerchuk would famously say. Uh, so I'm going to pick out five of the ten. And number one that I talked about, as you know, was this. Um, idea of heavy reliance on owned channels. I think there's a misconception that these social influencers, if you will, or gig economy content creators are just focusing on the Twitches and the TikToks and the Instagrams of the world. But actually, the research that we put together a few months ago is absolutely telling a different story. So, and by the way, if you want to find this, you can go to the tilt.com slash research. But what we did is we asked... Um, the content entrepreneurs, specifically these experienced ones, what their 
number the number one ways that they generate the most revenue from the the most important channels to them and what's interesting is you would think that it would be something like uh, YouTube or their podcast or whatever and and what we found Robert is that the number one way that they generate revenue the most important channel for these content entrepreneurs is number one their email newsletter and number two their blog which is I think in a lot I think a lot of people would be shocked by that so what you're seeing is is that no, they're not on all the channels. They're not doing all the things. They're really focusing on um, email. And in a lot of cases, I shared this case study from uh, Charlotte Labie, and Charlotte runs uh, Right Brain Balance, and she has got a huge following on Instagram. And so what she's been doing over the past uh, couple of years is to t- move that Insta- Instagram following into email subscriptions. So she's generated in the past couple of years over 50,000 email subscribers right now. She's doing hockey stick growth. She's gone from two people to 19 people. And most of that is being driven because of that email list. And she really has that rent to own strategy. And that's kind of the trend that you're seeing with content entrepreneurs. So I don't know if you have a take on that, but that's what we're seeing. And it's, you know, it's nothing new. It's nothing earth shattering. It's just a smart business, actually. Yeah, it's, you know, it, 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 I mean, it fits so well. I mean, you know, these things that we're talking about here, the, the content entrepreneurs and the content marketers in larger organizations, they really are, you know, uh, I'm lacking a better metaphor right now, but zipper is a, is a, is, is one that I'm thinking of sort of this interlocking, you know, parts of a strategy, right? So they, cause we are so similar, uh, in the two different groups, um, you know, and the, I, you know, I, t- I talk about this all the time in, um, in, in my workshops with enterprise content marketers to say your new competitor isn't the new competitor. Your new competitor is the blogger, is the content you know, entrepreneur who's up and coming and, and about to take and drink your milkshake, right? You know, and so, you know, and I often talk about, you know, don't forget that, you know, Glossier was Emily Weiss starting a blog and, you know, food five, two was just a blog. And now it's a, you know, huge, uh, you know, content, uh, or cookware, you know, seller and, and, and CPG company. And so where is your new competition coming from? And I think you're exactly right. It's, 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 it's in those that are taking it seriously. Those content entrepreneurs who are taking the owned media and building an audience part seriously, and that's, you know, it's, it's, it's moving right into, um, you know, the first thing that I talk about um, and mentioned this in my keynote, which is what we're seeing these successful content marketers do these days, which is, you know, the days of building a case for a blog or an email newsletter or a, you know, or a resource center or a webinar program, those are gone, right? Those, those your CEO, if they haven't bought into that, then you have different issues. I guarantee you. The thing that we're building a business case for, and this is something that I've been talking a lot about with my clients and with with those in, in, that are in training, is we are building a business case for a different kind of operating model, not just a different kind of content. 
In other words, if you're walking into your boss's office or you're talking to your, your, you know, your colleagues and you're saying, hey, we need to create different kind of content other than brochures and one sheets and, you know, uh, catalog and web copy and banner ads. And you're saying we need to create a blog or we need to create a podcast or we need to create you're having the wrong conversation. Because that conversation either A, should have already happened, or B, it needs to be part of something bigger and different. And so it's the key here is, is that we're building an operating model within the company, just like what you're talking about, this idea of content entrepreneurs. And that operating model is just different. It's just different than the way that marketing copy is done. It's different than the way that ad copy is created. It's different than the way brochures are created. It's measured differently. The skill set is differently. The operating uh, structure of it is different. And so focus on that instead of trying to build a business case to say, hey, we should be producing you know, awesome new kinds of content. And that's, that's what the successful ones are doing. They're building an operating model within their business. Well, you've always said it's, you know, that's been the challenge with content marketing is it's like... Uh, it's a new muscle for most organizations. So if you, <laughs> is it still that way? Do we still treat it? And you're saying no, <laughs> right. don't treat it that way, right? You're, 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 are you, so what, what's your, what's your recommendation? Do you, uh, do should you have internal training then, and really try to educate the the folks internally? Or are you saying that if they don't know by now that you might be looking for another job? What would you recommend? <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's, here's what I'm finding is that those, one of the things that's happening right now is we can see businesses beginning to merge the idea of content marketing and just content full stop. Right. So in other words, there's some feeling usually in the business. And I, I talked a little bit about this on, on, uh, on Wednesday, but, but the, 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 the feeling in the business is we create too much content, right? We create, you know, we're, oh, we're overloaded with content. Oh, you know, there's, there's a complaint sure. usually. Sales guys don't use all the content we create for them. There's all this content we're creating that goes unused. It goes unfound. It's, we're, cre- we're duplicating so much. And all of that's probably true. But what's happening is, is that the business, in order to get their arms around that problem, they're saying, okay, let's, you know, we've got great writers. We've got a great editor. We've got great content creators, and we need to pull them into something. Marketing, marketing content, content strategy, comms, you know, wherever it it starts to live. But it starts to be one team now, rather than sort of separate teams that have been built around the different kinds of content. In other words, what we're building now is a function of content, full stop, all the way, content. And then what we're looking at within that team is to say, great, now what's the balance of all the things that we should be working on integrated together? So now journalists are being expected to write a little bit of marketing copy. Marketing copy are expected to write a little bit of you know journalistic content, or you're separating out by audience and all those kinds of things. But the the, the point being, what we're what we're starting to see a recognition of in, in the successful companies are we need to get our arms around all of it. And, and start to balance all of it because it's not just about creating, you know, a great blog. If we have a great blog and a crappy website, it still fails, right? We have to connect all these things together in a much smarter, in a much smarter way. Amen, brother. Uh, should I go through my second? 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. Go get good. Uh, so many places to go. Some of these are so simple, but I, I don't think we're content marketers are following them. And the one trend that we're seeing, we've seen it in the research and we see it in other case studies in the Content Inc. book is that content entrepreneurs selectively publish on social, which is mean means that they are making decisions not to be certain places and they don't have to be everywhere their customers are at online. I'll give you a really good example. And it's our friend. Remember when you and I met with Wally Koval in New York? For dinner. Remember that dinner? Oh, Wally. Wally, oh, Wally, Wally. Wally yeah. used to work at um, for you know us with us at Content Marketing Institute, and he has gone on to build. Him and his wife uh, Amanda has built uh, accidentally Wes Anderson, which started out as a simple Instagram page. Now has 1.5 million followers on Instagram. Soon to be multimillionaires. I've I just had a, a chance to talk with Wally. The way that they're building out that brand is phenomenal. But one of the keys that they've done is they focus on Instagram at the expense of other social platforms. And specifically with Twitter, Wally made a decision that they couldn't be great at both Instagram and Twitter at the same time. And they said, you know what? We're just going to we'll put up our profile on Twitter. We'll use it as a listening post, but we're not going to publish there consistently. We're going to put all of our energy into Instagram. And you know what? Paid off for him. Paid off is great, done a fantastic job on on Instagram, and f- Twitter is just there. It's fine. And has it hurt him? No, I would I would say that it has helped. And this is where content marketers go wrong in a lot of cases because they expend their content energy for being on almost every social platform and expending their publishing capabilities and their resources. And what we find is that, in the words of our friend Doug Kessler, that they create a mountain of meh and that content is all over and all these platforms and we're mediocre at best on these platforms and we never focus on being great or remarkable at any one and then it does nothing and we're looking for a job like you just talked about a little while ago because you didn't do your job because you didn't focus on being amazing and to break through the clutter you need to be remarkable to a niche audience and deliver on their pain points so the recommendation for a content marketer here is you you can you should decide not to put resources into certain areas until you build an audience on one or two then you can decide to expend resources when you get more revenue and you have the personnel and the resources to go into other channels but my recommendation is yours always has when when we go into these content audits is maybe you should start killing some things so that you can be great at yeah. one or two things instead of just mediocre at seven or eight yeah, that's exact. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't get behind that more. I mean, you know, and and, and you know, the funny thing is, is that, that it, it is way harder. Oh, it's it so incredibly right? hard to say no. You know, because even you, even you have, you know, I've I've heard you, you know, when you and I have been drinking or having dinner or whatever, you're like, God, we should launch a, put in a thing, right? We should do a, you know, you get so antsy to do the next new cool, interesting thing. It's very hard to have that discipline to say, nope, we are focused on this. We're mm-hmm. doing this until we get to here. And then we're focused on the next thing. And then that, that's you know, right. it's like, it, it's so, it's so tempting. I mean, you know, look, so often, you know, it's like, oh, I should launch another podcast or oh, I should launch an email newsletter. Oh, I should do, I should do that. Oh, I should launch this platform. And I'm like, God, you know, you just got to stay, you got to stay, you got to stay true. Right. And, and, it, it's it's a, it's a long game for sure. It's the long game for sure. And it's hard to play that long game in today's world where 
everything is on such short mm-hmm. circuit it's notice. Very difficult, and, but you, have you know, to. it's like, oh, you know, there though the clubhouse came along. Oh, now I got to get onto clubhouse or I get onto clubhouse. And then you're like, no, no, you go experiment, you go feel it out, you go, you know, understand it. But that doesn't mean you go throw a bunch of eggs into that basket. Not yet. Not yet. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep that focus clear. Oh, and, and you're right. It's so tough. Like with with the tilt, we've we just we've been having these conversations for the last couple of weeks because we get opportunities to do to do new things. But we've said, look, we are not going to be on Facebook. I mean, we'll have a presence, but we're not going to have an active publishing schedule. It's like, well, okay, we'll we'll have a little presence on Instagram, but not very much because we're going to put our energy into LinkedIn and Twitter. So those are our two channels. We're not doing anything on TikTok. It's very hard for a company. You know, you work with them all the time. They want to do all the right. things. And you could say, can you be remarkable in all these places? Do you have all the resources? And the answer is no. You have a limited amount of content energy. So you have to pick your spots. And it is it is difficult. But the winners, that's what they're doing. So there you go. All right. What do you got? There you go. All right. So I, I got another one. Um, it, and and the, the funny thing is, is that it, it, it matches... Uh, you know, it, it it goes right into we something we talked a little bit about on last week's episode, um, but uh, it, it it's a nice segue from what you just talked about, which is one of the things that we see successful content marketers doing these days is not focusing in on themselves, and, and I know that's going to sound weird, but but what I mean by that is. One of the overcorrections that we see, you know, so we just talked about this idea of building this business case for a different operating model, right? And that often happens when we see businesses go, hey, we got to get our, you know, we got to get, we got to get straight on this content marketing. We got to figure this stuff out. And everybody goes, yes, let's figure it out. And this is especially true in B2B. And what we see happen is, is that everybody goes, oh, sales guys are creating their own content. The comms people are creating their own content. The account managers are creating their own content. There are all these people creating content. We need them to stop. We need to centralize the storytelling function in our business and basically build this team that will create and activate all this content out there. And then what they will do, our account managers or our, you know, our uh, sales team or whatever, they'll be, you know, they'll, when people ask for content, they'll just direct people. They'll be like air traffic controllers, right? Directing, hey, you go to this content, you'll go here. Go looking for this thought leadership, you're going there. And what inevitably happens is, is that there's this lack of participation and, and content people and marketing people that are running the content program can't understand why. And what we need to understand is, is that, you know, and, and the way I sort of say this in the bumper sticker way is to say, unless you are the storyteller, you are not the storyteller. And what I mean by that is, is that what content marketing as a function, as a strategy is there to do in your business is to empower all of those frontline storytellers to tell their story. In other words, you are creating content that should be able to be told by a great sales guy who wants to create a relationship with a with a new customer or your sales associate who's in the retail outlet who's actually going to be relaying the, you know, this expertise or this thought leadership or this. And so in order to do that, You've got to not only create a content program that creates great externally facing content, but you've got to create the content that helps empower those that need to tell that story the way to tell it. In other words, you not only need to write the great novel that people can read in your resource center, you need to direct the and write the script for the great film that your actors can then portray that great story. And so 
uh, you know, what I've been telling clients these days is that the successful content marketing teams, the functions, they need to understand what you're, what you're building is a world. You're building a world in which everybody in that world can live, breathe, and tell all those stories that you're creating. You're not building just a well uh, that people can go you know, find a bucket of water in or you know, a bucket of content in. You've got to build this immersive place where everybody can tell your stories. The employees, because they're the ones sharing it on social media, they're the ones talking to customers, they're the ones who have to live, breathe, and eat it you're the one there to help create it. And so that is a key difference in understanding what our purpose is as a content marketing strategy. You know, it's funny, uh, that leads <laughs> almost perfectly into my next, it's it's like we planned this, but I don't even know if we, we really did. Um, the one thing that we keep finding over and over again to say what, you know, what you're talking about, especially with purpose, is that content entrepreneurs, when you look at their content mission statements, they are developing world-altering mission statements. It's not about uh, we're trying to sell more products and services. It's really they are trying to do something significant for a particular group of people that nobody else is doing, which uh, you mean you might look at it uh, as a BHAG, you know, back in the day where, you know, good to great, big, hairy, audacious goals. They're they're very fine-tuned in what they're trying to do, but they're big and large. So let me give you a couple of examples. I don't know if you're – are you familiar with Bankless? Okay. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, Bankless sure. – there's two parts to Bankless. I'll, I'll talk about one a little bit later because it has to do with the this new business model. But Bankless LLC is basically a, mi- a mini media company or media enterprise uh, from a content entrepreneur that – is trying to create a bankless revolution. And they say their mission is, you know, creating this bankless revolution in the world of money, a revolution where everyone gets access to the global money system. Don't no bank required that. So they are trying to, for the bankless in the world, they're trying, trying to create a system where the unbanked have as much opportunity as the banked. This is a big deal, right? This is like a, this is like a huge, huge deal. Huge a deal, huge yeah. concept and thing that they're trying to do. And if you look at their newsletter and their podcast, you'll it'd be very hard pressed to find something that's better, that's more informative, that's more impactful. Uh, what they're doing with the company, and then they've created a, a DAO, and we'll talk about that in a little bit as well because I don't want to get overly complicated. But we've been trying to do that at the Tilt as well. So I mean, if you just look at the Tilt. They say, oh, it's a twice-weekly email newsletter, educational program dedicated to teaching the lonely content creator how to become a content entrepreneur and turn their business into a content empire. That's our content mission statement. Our big BHAG, our big, hairy, audacious goal is to help one million content creators become financially independent content entrepreneurs. That's a big goal. It's something that – and it's, it's a, a big, big goal. goal. And I think, yeah. I think, I think, I, some, I think we can do that. And I don't see enough of that on the content marketing side. I see uh, too much corporate speak. I see too much uh, smaller goals uh, and things we're trying to affect. Not that, you know, not that smaller is, is a problem necessarily, but I think if you're trying to create a movement with your content, which I think you should, um, if you're really trying to make a difference, you've got to have this big goal in mind to try to change the lives and the jobs of a group of people. So whoever that is, it doesn't mean you have to go out broad to a huge audience. I mean, content entrepreneurs is a very particular audience, um, but uh, but you need to be focused on something bigger. So that's kind of what we're seeing is a trend with uh, with some of these content entrepreneurs that they're setting these world changing mission statements. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the, I, I think what you said there is really important to, to, it segues nicely into mine. Uh, it's like, it's funny we didn't plan this, but it's actually working beautifully. <laughs> um, you know, but, it, but you, what you said there is really important, which is you can have a big goal that doesn't have a broad yes. audience. In other words, you can have a world changing goal for you. It's content entrepreneurs. You know, I know we've talked about the total addressable market of that before, but let's assume that it's in the tens of millions of people, right? Um, globally. And when you, when you look at that against the billions of people in the world, you know, we're not talking about, you know, earth shattering here, but it's a huge BHAG goal for one small company to attempt for tens of millions of people. And so it, it, it is about the lens that you look through in terms of what you mean by world changing. We're to their world. Yeah. yeah. To that particular yeah, audience's exactly. world. It's just to your, to the, it's to that audience's world. Right. And so, and which is an interesting segue into something that we're seeing here. And this is backed up by the research and that we see all the time, which is one of the things that I've said since we began this whole thing is, is really the, the, the biggest problem with the channel, an owned media channel that a brand will launch is we give lip service to it by saying, you know, you know, and, and, and look, businesses like this, we're managing costs, we're managing time, we're managing bandwidth, we're managing all the things we do. And so ideally, and the, you know, our natural instinct is to try and cover off as many bases as we can. So what inevitably ends up happening, and I literally had this conversation here at the event with a VP of marketing who said, we have a blog, and you, this is going to make you smile because you've had this conversation so many times, and you tell the story of the woman and the 25 mm -hmm. audiences yep. and all of that stuff. But basically, we have a blog, and we're trying to do two things. We're trying to create brand awareness, and we're trying to drive leads, and we're trying to drive customer loyalty And with that Ouch. blog. And, and right, and 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 to and to two different uh, industry vertical audiences, and I'm like, how's that working out for you? And he's like, it's not, it's not working out. It's like, right, you've got, you know, you've got to solve one problem, one audience at a time, and and focus in and build that. You know, it's not that you can't build a blog to solve brand awareness and lead generation simultaneously, but you're handicapping one or the other. Right, you're handy, you know, because you have to, in order to drive brand awareness, you have to create a particular kind of content, and you're trying to uh, with a particular kind of action with the audience you're trying to reach, the unaware, the uneducated, and you're trying to bring them into that. With lead generation, you're trying to convert them. Trying to do both of those things in a singular blog post not usually going to work. So you start balancing out your editorial strategy to try and meet those things, in-house ads, calls to action, all those kinds of things. And it just doesn't work as well as it could if it was singularly focused on one thing. Now, does that mean you need a blog at every single step of the buyer's journey? Technically, yes, it does. It means that you need an owned media property at every single step. But of course, that's not the way. Of course, one part of your buyer's journey hurts more than another. Of course, one part of your audience journey hurts more than another. So solve the problem where it hurts the most. Prioritize. Create one audience, one problem, solution at a time, and you'll be much, much, much better off. That's just good old fashioned smart advice. It's, it's just it's like it's like that's like content marketing almanac, right? <laughs> there should be the content marketing almanac, you know, kind of advice that, uh, that, so, uh, that we need to be so reminded. Good. All right, of so I want you to try to match. So this is my fourth. We're gonna each do 
uh, yeah. four and five. We'll do two more. So this is my fourth. And yeah. if you can match this one, I will be very impressed. But this, you know, we, yeah. this was before the whole creator coin and NFT thing took off. And we asked in our survey, this was earlier in the year, uh, who's considering, actively considering, or um, thinking about uh, crypto rewards, which means NFTs, social tokens, creator coins in some way as part of their overall business model. 4%, I know it doesn't sound like much, but 4% were already actively working on it, which is unbelievably high in my opinion. And another 26% were looking at it or considering. That's 30% of the 1,400 that we surveyed were looking into this as possibly part of their business model. And I want to uh, juxtapose this with a conversation that I had the other day with uh, a VP of sales and marketing. And I mentioned the idea of, are they looking at any parts of tokenization as part of their rewards or anything with NFTs? And almost laughed in my face when I said so. Like, oh, are you kidding me? We're not, that's way too experimental, whatever. Okay, here's my point. This is experimental now. And next year, you're going to see Companies like Starbucks and Chipotle and Marriott all get into tokenization as part of their rewards program. And you're going to see a number of content brands get into this space. We're seeing it first with content entrepreneurs, because frankly, content entrepreneurs probably don't have nothing to lose. There's no risk. We can try these things and see how they're working. Um, I can tell you firsthand, and of course, I've talked about it excessively on this show, but the, the experiment of launching TiltCoin, our own creator coin, has been such an incredible success. I can't even tell you. I've never seen the kind of loyalty and the, the with the membership levels that we've set up with the amount of coin that you have uh, that's worked brilliantly. Uh, you know, people love getting rewarded by you know, downloading a piece of content or sharing uh, you know, the newsletter with somebody else. They get rewards that way. And they, they feel like they're more a part of the effort, about part of the company because they have these social tokens and creator coins. And so there's, there's social tokens, creator coins, which are fungible assets. I'm not going to get in too far down the rabbit hole with this one, but you're also seeing things like, and we've talked about it on this podcast, what what Gary Vaynerchuk's doing with vFriends as an example in the event space where instead of a ticket, you get a non-fungible token, you get an NFT. And instead of having a ticket that you'll throw away, this is a long-term relationship that you can build and deliver specific forms of content to individual people based on the access that they purchase. And that piece of content that or that, that NFT that they have, it actually can become more valuable over time. Quick example, if you started out and bought a VFriends ticket when he first launched a few months ago, you'd have spent maybe a half an ETH or one ETH at the time. So let's say $1,500 for a three-year ticket. You want to sell the same ticket that you bought, you probably would make $60,000 off of that ticket. Now, granted, a lot of a lot of crazy stuff going on at NFTs right now, but the point is that's an asset as well as a ticket as well as content access as well as an individual content experience that you can now have because we have this new technology. So I'm going to leave it there Robert, but you know I'm <laughs> you know I'm very excited about this. We I don't know where this is going to go. I'm glad that we're experimenting with it, but I think that if I'm a content marketer now, I would start going down the rabbit hole because there's something here about loyalty and rewards and unique content experiences that you can do with this technology that you can't do anyway else. And, and I'm pretty excited about it. So 
It's yeah, it's it's very interesting for sure. <laughs> it's I mean, so it's funny. it's 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 very interesting. Look, here's the thing. I'm surprised to, and I, I am agreeing with you when I say this. I am surprised we haven't seen it yet. Um, either an airline or a credit card or a you know something with very familiar sort of models for loyalty points, um, restaurants. Uh, hotels start to start down this yeah, road, right? To to issue, uh, you absolutely will in in twenty twenty two. You absolutely will start start to see this. Somebody's going to be the first, and then there will be, you know, depending on whether they're successful or not with it. the 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 challenge with it right now isn't the model. The challenge with it right now is that it still sits in that, and I forget what Christensen called this. Um, you know, uh, there is there is a term for this that I'm just blanking on right now, which is it's too hard for the general consumer right now. In other words, they haven't made it easy. Um, in other words, it, it's now semi-easy for those that are inside baseball, those that are early adopters, those that want to get in on this idea of buying Ethereum or getting into crypto in order to make a transaction here. What's going to have to happen is either you'll have somebody who sort of hot, who, you know creates a, a, an opacity over that. In other words, you don't need to know, right? All you need to know is that you're exchanging dollars for points, you know, or dollars for you know the you know Marriott loyalty coin, right? And it's the same thing. It's the same thing as you've always known before. Loyalty points are loyalty points only. Now you can spend them in different ways and you can earn them in different ways, right? That's you can, right. there's many, many more ways of participating to earn your loyalty points and sort of keeping the model as it is, not trying to disrupt it too much and making it much easier for people to purchase. Because right now, if it's like you're going out and saying, well, you can purchase the loyalty points, but you're going to have to get this account on Coinbase, and then you're going to have to get a wallet, and you're going to have to get this thing, it's just not going to work right now. Because people like my wife and, 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 and others of my friends, they'd just be like, I don't understand it. I'm well, not getting they, into it. I can't. They, would, they, they do the thing with, that you ran into, which is people just well, laugh that, in your face. But, that, but that's already being done if you look at NBA Top Shots as an example. Dapper Labs right. has already done that. The reason why NBA Top Shots was so uh, brilliantly successful is you could go in and very easily sign up with your email address and a credit card and go ahead and purchase it. You don't need a wallet, none of that stuff. That's the thing is you'll be able to do this very shortly. And that's one of the, the, the things you're talking about. There's a lot of friction there. That friction is going away really, really quickly where you won't have those issues and you won't even know. There's the thing. You can, yeah. you're, there's going to be a blockchain behind this stuff, but you're not going to know it's, it's even crypto. You're not even. It's it's going to be tokenization. They might not even call it tokens. It's going to be points, right. but they're that's going right. to be set up where they actually have asset value long term. But yeah, that's I right. agree with you on that. Point. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's and it's basically going to be the same thing that happened. You know, right now it's being called this. In the future, the consumerization of it. You know, and and get ready for the debate. You know, coming in three, two, one over what we should call it and what you know what these things should be called because. We'll call them points, and people will argue. Well, you know, you'll have, you know, <laughs> basically your your nerds out there going, "Well, it's not really points. It's really, you know, it's crypto coin that's stored in a blockchain." It's like, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Whatever the consumer will call it is what it will be yeah. called. And so, I think that's exactly right. You know, so you'll start to see that happen. I would think 
very yeah, I think 2022 is probably right. Yeah. Um, I, I know that there's a lot of companies already working on it. There's some test cases, but uh, it's 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 because they're trying to reduce that friction is why it's taking so much time. And, you know, yeah, if you wanted to launch yeah. something right now on OpenSea, which is like the eBay of NFTs, you could do it tomorrow. But you're only going to go yeah. after a specific portion of the audience that already has wallets set up. So there you go. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. What do you got? Yeah, so uh, this is my last one, which is basically uh, it's it's a nice one for for me to end on anyway, which is basically you know, and I talked about this in my keynote, which is that coming out of the pandemic, coming out of the lockdown, coming out of the last two years, um, and working with as many clients as we have on on content strategy, and I don't know why it's taken me twenty years to figure this out, um, but certainly the accelerated change over the last two years has has certainly illuminated this just so brightly for me. Um, which is, there's no such thing as a perfect content strategy. Um, it doesn't exist. Um, every single company that I can think of, without exception, and I truly mean this, without exception. The successful companies that are doing content marketing at scale and truly succeeding with it have changed their content strategy two or three times in the last five years. I mean, full, full on mm-hmm. evolution of it. And so what I have learned over this is that when we're creating a content strategy, when we're creating our content marketing strategy as a company, it is only as strong as it is as it has the ability to change. In other words, that's what we're really building. We're really building a, you know, a team, a methodology for workflow, a process, a measurement strategy, and an operational model that is built to evolve into something else. And if we do that, then we're set because then we can change and evolve and, and, and work and plan and do all the things we need to do. Because if coming out of the pandemic has told us nothing is, is that the ones that were able to pivot and change their content marketing, their strategy, their editorial strategy, the team structure, the way that they had worked and all of that, those were the ones that thrived. The ones that were either planless, in other words, didn't have a plan, well, there was nothing to change, so they, they basically you know, ran around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to figure out what to do. Or two, they had such a plan that was set in such stone, such concrete, that they couldn't change it very quickly and suffered because they couldn't pivot as quickly as they wanted to. The ones that are really thriving now, and I'll tell you, the, the, the one that comes leaping to mind is, you know, we talk about them a lot, Cleveland Clinic. You know, they've changed. They've changed their team structure. They've changed the reporting yep. structure. They've changed their priorities. They've changed their methodology for working. And all of it with a backbone of this is, you know, things that we believe, things that we have a philosophy about, and really letting the leadership there, including our good friend Amanda Todorovich, their, their flexibility and resilience has been amazing, but it's all because they built a content strategy that can change. And that's, that's a huge lesson for me and hopefully for those out there that are building content strategies. It's funny because I was, I was talking to someone the other day just about how much these programs change. And I said, look at a company like 3M. You've talked about this in your presentation where I think, what is it? Where yeah. 50% of their revenues from the previous year are from new products from like the last three years or something. Right. I mean, that, they're yeah, consistently changing over and over and over again, but they've got the process down to do that. And I think that's the same thing with content marketing, content strategy. You yep. have to look at it that way. It is. Exactly um, I'm just going to quickly, 
I've talked about this too much, but I did mention DAOs, and I think that it's important for content marketers to look at this because content entrepreneurs are all over this thing. I think this is the new media model, if you want to ask me, and maybe I'm hyping it up too much. I don't think it's going to be called a DAO because I hate that acronym, but right now what we have is this thing called the Decentralized Autonomous Organization. Uh, basically, a DAO is not run by a central organization. This is key. It's run by you know multiple people, a group, all these these group of users. They make all decisions. It's basically they govern themselves. They have rules set up, bylaws, all these things by where they're they're governed. Um, they are uh, the the thing that the financial entity behind this whole thing is generally a token or a coin. It's on. It's it's a cryptocurrency. You can either put in money up front as part of the collective, or you can do you know proof of work and you can get compensated on there. And then everyone you know if the project succeeds, everyone makes money. So right now you have a decision to make if you are a content entrepreneur. You could say I'm just going to start an LLC and we're going to go and you know do the thing and do the content mission statement, build the audience, focus on the platform and do all the things and monetize it and great and hopefully maybe I'll have an exit someday or or get bought out or whatever the case is. Or you could go into it with multiple people and create uh, the new online partnership which is really a collective and create a DAO. This is there's hundreds of DAOs right now, and next by next year there'll be thousands and thousands of them. And uh, it's because we've never had this type of incentive system before, and everyone can actually the audience itself can financially uh, succeed in this whole thing as well as the mission behind it. Now I talked about Bankless before, Robert. Bankless LLC started this way. Now they are moving into creating the Bankless DAO, where they have thousands of people that have pitched in, have equity, and are moving toward this mission of being Bankless, which I think is a really good model, actually, moving from the the one-person LLC to the DAO format. And I think that content marketers should look at this because you can go in with partners, you can go in with your community, you can go in with your audience and create something, and it doesn't just have to be you anymore. I'm not saying this is good for every. Uh, by the way, DAOs aren't good for everyone. It is that there are some things that actually you should have a CEO for, <laughs> you should have a leader for. Uh, but I think in some cases, the group uh, part of this a group, a group incentive might make more sense, and you could really create a movement around this, as we've seen men, happen many times in 2021. So that's what I'm we're seeing over and over again in the in the content entrepreneurship space, and I think there's a lot to learn for content marketers as well. So. Oh, it's such a, it, I mean, the, the, the amount of disruption that's going on right now and opportunity, I mean, didn't you tweet this or post this recently? It's like the, you know, it's never been better time to start. It's never been more. Yeah. It really is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's for those that want to go learn something new and figure this stuff out. That's, you know, this, this, this sort of amalgamation of FinServe you know, financial services plus social plus, you know, new ways of financing things plus new ways of generating audiences plus content is there's just there's just this giant big lump of clay there that just needs to get shaped and in, into different things. And it's just it's just an amazing opportunity for those that want to put some sweat equity. I know we this. always say this, but man, this is a really good time to be alive and be in the middle of this. It's very exciting. Yeah, the, the amount of change. And it's fun. I guess the one thing I'll say is if, if somebody listening to this thinks they're behind, don't worry. I feel behind, too. 
Like I really do. I feel like I can't read enough. I can't listen to enough podcasts to really put my arms around this thing. So, you know, we just have to do the work and figure it out and then, then start breaking things and trying things and we'll, and we'll see what works. So yeah, and we should go absolutely. get some drinks now because it's been way too long. We should, we should, we should. Yeah, it's absolutely. <laughs> it's been far too long between That's alcoholic right. beverages. So let's do that, am, shall we? I'm, I'm looking um, forward to it. So they, we should. So I guess thank you everyone for listening to our special special episode. We'll go back to regular programming yeah. next week, but no. But the but there you go. We will. There, there you have it. All right, folks. Well, that is it. We're going to sign off and we're going to go get some cocktails. Um, and if you want to get all the goodness, like if you want to listen to last week's episode because you missed it because you were traveling or you want to see any of our other 290 episodes, if you can believe that, just get on over to our wonderful website, thisoldmarketing.site. Of course, we want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering our .site domain. And if you want your own .site domain, remember, remember, remember Radix because your .site domain is just waiting for you there. And remember, folks, it, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. After a bunch of more cocktails, we'll see you next week on This Old Market.